Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you going, Gem? Pretty good, pretty tired, but that's uh, the nature of the beast, isn't it? It absolutely is. Absolutely is. So we had round two this week. Um, it went off largely without a hitch if you disregard the postponed COVID game. That one will be rescheduled at a later date. We saw some dominant displays from the top four sides and some real improvement from those teams that found the bottom of the ladder home last season, which is good to see. Uh, Our WA teams came across for their hub period and played their first home away from home games at Witten Oval, which, let me tell you, was an absolute treat for the locals of Westfoot. It's great. And you debuted in the comps box rather superbly, I might add. How'd you find it? That wasn't on the script. I know. I left it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't want you ready for it. Um, yeah, it was fun. ABC, let me do it again. Yeah, I'd say there's a fair few voices who would agree with that too. It's great. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Well, we started the round on Friday night. Richmond hosted Melbourne at Punt Road, um, with Melbourne claiming the victory by 16 points, kicking 8-6-54 to the Tigers, 6-2-38. I think this one was a matchup that everyone was kind of anticipating after the way the Tigers started last week. But the question was, how are they going to shape up against the side, like a, a stronger opponent in the Ds? They started pretty much where they left off. They kicked a goal within the first 20 seconds of the game, thanks to some magic from Mon Conti and Tessa Levy. And Conti continued to produce magic across the game, but ultimately the home side were outdone by a classy Melbourne outfit. The back half of the game was especially impressive. It was a real tug of war. The Tigers' pressure was immense, but the Ds were pretty lethal inside 50. Kate Hoare, Tyler Harris... Melissa Bannon, all really, really dangerous for the Ds, and they kicked two goals each. What'd you make of it? I think, yeah, Richmond started really strongly, and both sides had some key outs. Richmond were without Sarah Darcy in particular through health and safety protocols. Melbourne had five players missing through that as well, and five players that really important to the structure of the side. So I was curious as to how each team would cover those those missing players. Mm. Quick goal for 
Richmond and, and they dominated most of the first quarter. And a lot of that was down to their pressure around the ball. They didn't let Melbourne get the ball to the outside, which is what they want to do. Yep. And it worked really well. And, you know, there are a couple of players who for, for Melbourne who had come in for their first game and were, looked really scratchy with their disposal early. And that was a big concern for Melbourne fans, I think. But once Melbourne got that going a little bit more, they found the outside space. They were able to dominate that second quarter. It's worth noting that Melbourne only won one quarter of this game. Yeah. They only won that second quarter. Richmond actually won all three other quarters. So the the story out of it has been, you know, Melbourne dominating all this sort of stuff. But the reality is it was a much closer game than maybe the scoreboard suggested. In round one, both sides really relied on forward marking targets. So Richmond had eight marks inside 50 and Melbourne had seven. Yeah. It seemed early that Richmond would continue that. You know, Tessa Levy kicks a quick goal and then oh, quickest goal in AFLW history. And then Katie Brennan took a really strong mark and kicked a goal inside that 450 as well. So it looked like they were going to get that happening again. But then once Melbourne got control of the game, there wasn't really any looks um, inside 50 for Richmond for those marks. And Courtney Wakefield was kept without a mark mm-hmm. for the first time in her career. So I think that was a really big one. And she seems to be injured now as well. I haven't seen an injury update, but she posted something. So I think that and the end up tally was Melbourne took 10 marks inside 50 compared to Richmond's three. And I think that was where the game was won and lost because Melbourne yep. could get back to the style of play they wanted whereas Richmond weren't able to and they had to find a different way to score. They did that, but just not quite as much as they they needed to. But all um, credit to Richmond and the way they were able to work their way through that game, come back from a tough second quarter where they did concede those six goals, five goals. So, yeah, I think a lot more positives out of this for Richmond than the scoreboard suggests. Yeah, absolutely. I admittedly uh, followed it along. I was out supporting the arts instead of watching sport on Friday night. And when I tuned in on my phone to see what the score was at at quarter time, was pleasantly surprised by the scoreline and then obviously following it along in in intermission as well. It was great. I I kind of wish I was there to see it live, but Mm. certainly watching it back uh, later in the weekend was pretty awesome too. Who will your play and performer votes go to this week? So I've given three to Paxi because I think... It's it's easy to assume she'll play a good game and just be like, oh, that's just a Paxi game. Good. Yeah. I, I think amongst all the other stuff that happened, she had a really good night. So three to her from me, two to Conti, kicked her first goal as a Tiger as well. A spectacular goal. And then I've given one to Kate Hoare, who has been a really important linking player for Melbourne um, between mm. that mid and forward. And I, I really like the way she's gone about her footy this year. I've gone slightly different to you. I've given three votes to Kate Hoare. I think I'm really impressed with her choices in front of goal. She She's backed herself in a lot, you know, kicking 2-3 this week. So three, three votes to her, given Tyler Hanks two votes. I think she had a really solid night out and there was a lot of really impressive performances across the game. So um, hats off to her to just keep that engine room ticking over. I feel like she's a bit of a quiet achiever, really. And I've given one vote to Conti, another great night out for her. And then obviously we moved on to Saturday and our first game of the day was the Pies hosting St Kilda at Victoria Park. The Pies were too good for the Saints and they undid the struggling side in a 27-point win. They kicked 6-5-41 over the Saints 2-2-14. Now, despite being down in their ranks, obviously their two co-captains are out. Steph Giocci was a late out with an Achilles injury and uh, Chloe Malloy was out on health and safety protocols. They still took charge of the game pretty early and didn't really look back. Britt Bonucci and Jamie Lambert were everywhere, as per the usual. 
Uh, and the Pies made sure to make use of Sheridan's speed with the ball and their scoring 50 as well. I feel like the Saints tried pretty desperately to plug the holes that the Pies were exploiting, but they were largely also unable to convert any chances that they got presented up front. It was nice to see Sheila and McDonald goal in the final quarter, but it was just a little too late and the Pies won comfortably in front of a home crowd. I don't mean to go to a negative straight off the bat with this game, but the Saints are one of the most frustrating teams to watch in the competition. Yep. They've got skill and I know they're missing key players and and everyone's heard all of that. They still have talent on the park. They just don't have enough good decision makers in their team. Too often you see them win the ball, work incredibly hard. They work very, very hard, but then they'll turn into traffic rather than out of it, or they'll decide to kick long to a two-on-one rather than hit up the option on the 45. You know, little things that could completely change the way they play their footy. Collingwood, without the players that they had missing, plus you consider Tiny Brown was out with concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. You know, they had quite a few players not playing. And again, I know St Kilda were missing players, but the the chance was there for them to make a statement, not necessarily win the game, but not be so completely uh, unable to score. And I think that's where it gets frustrating because they do all the work in the back half, they get the ball to half forward, and then they turn it over with just a silly mistake. And that's what we kept seeing. And Collingwood are a good side. Collingwood are a great side when they have... Malloy and Kiochi and all of those people in as well. And there, there's a reason they're two and zip. But they were a side that could be exposed on the weekend and St Kilda just did not do that. And I think that's what frustrates me about St Kilda. Same thing as last week. Richmond, early in that game, were a side that mm. could be exposed and they just didn't do it. And I think that is just what we're going to continually see from St Kilda this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I really hope they're able to turn that around. And like you say, it is it is all in the decision-making. The uh, the makeup was there. They just didn't execute. Who did you play on performer votes go to this week? Uh, I've given three to Britt Bonici. She had, I think, 26 touches. She laid 10 tackles. Her work rate, we know, is amazing, same as last year. But her ability to get involved in passages of play multiple times because she's willing to do the work to run make space, make an option further down the field. Incredible. Two to Jamie Lambert, who again, in a midfield that was missing, Brie Davey, Tiny Brown, Lambert was the contested beast that they needed and she did that job. And then I've given one to Sarah Rowe, who is more of a half forward, but she's been playing higher up the field with Steph Kiochi out. They needed a bit more run on the wing. Sarah Rowe's been doing a lot of that and I really like the way she goes about her footy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agree with you on... At least two of those. I also given three votes to Benici. Uh, her second and third and fourth and just generally repeat efforts are amazing. I think I read somewhere that she said if she didn't feel exhausted when she came off the park, she would have been disappointed in herself this week, um, which is just a testament to the work that she puts in. Similarly, I've gone for Lambert. She gets two votes. Um, she disappeared to, to be everywhere. I think she got five marks across the game. Um, it felt like more than that. She was con- constantly intercepting the play and, and exploiting that um, part of the Saints game. Um, and I've had a real time, a real hard time trying to decide who I wanted to give my last vote to. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Kat Phillips from the Saints. I felt like she had a lot of involvement, particularly plugging the gaps and desperate defence on the, on the wing there. After the Pies Saints game, of course, we had a fixture change thanks to some last minute COVID outs. 
big outs in both the Brisbane and the Bulldogs camps. There was a refixture uh, and we were treated to the Battle of the Press Parker Sisters down at Cardinia Park. The Blues and Mads ultimately prevailed and downed a competitive Geelong outfit by 14 points, kicking 4-7-31 over the Cats 2-5-17. I think Carlton was pretty determined to improve on last week's performance and they were strong from the get-go, but the Cats had plenty to give back, um, particularly in that opening quarter. Carlton seemed to be playing with one player loose in defence, so the Blues' backline was pretty impenetrable. Uh, and that was led, of course, by an extremely dominant Karen Harrington. Uh, in the end, Georgie copped a blood nose and Mads won the bragging rights. Uh, and I'm pretty sure every, absolutely everyone got around the notion of the sisters in the competition. It was pretty great. This was a similarly frustrating game to, to what St Kilda was for me because... I don't know that Carlton were playing with a loose in defence. I think Geelong were choosing not to match up on that player and choosing to have an extra around the ball. And when that wasn't working, they didn't look to change that at all. Yeah. Too often Carlton would win the ball back in defence and very easily choose to switch to the open side. They had four or five free players down the field creating that overlap for them. And, you know, that happens once, that happens twice. You're like, okay, that's their game style. But the fact that Geelong consistently allowed Lauren Bazali to just sit out on the wing on her own, no one ever went to her. The fact that it was constantly evident that that was happening, Chloe Shearer on the field was screaming for her teammates to spread wider across the field, and it just wasn't happening. So again, like I know it's really hard for leaders in that team, especially when a lot of their leaders are sitting in the back line or were sitting on the sidelines because of health and safety protocols. But the fact that during the game, they couldn't make that change. Yeah. That was the thing to me that was like Geelong still that, those couple of steps behind. Because if you look to fix that problem and it's not quite successful, but you've acknowledged it and show that you've made the effort to try and solve it or plug that hole, then it's like, okay, I understand Maybe you didn't quite have the players to do it. You weren't able to do it on the fly as much. The fact they didn't do it at all to me was just like, come on guys, you can do better than this. And Carlton were just happy days. I think they went at 74% disposal efficiency because they they were never covered. Like they never had Mm. an opponent to deal with to miss the target or to be intercepted. So then too much pressure was put on that defensive line again for Geelong, which we know is a very strong defensive line because Carlton only scored what 31 points. Yeah. You know, if it weren't for that really strong, mature defensive line, this would have been a blowout because Carlton was just transitioning the ball at will all night. And again, it's just that little bit of game awareness that we're missing from these couple of teams. It's not about skill. It's not about any of that. It's about the game awareness. Yeah. That those teams at the bottom of the ladder don't seem to have as much of. It seems like fool me once, fool me twice, you know, and they just didn't adapt to, to suit the conditions. Who were your uh, play on performer votes? Yeah, so obviously we got to go with Karen Harrington for the three. Um, funnily enough, I was doing the, the call with her partner. So when I, I was able to spout her record-breaking 23 touches at, at 100% efficiency, he laughed at me. Um, but she, she'd had a really good game. Given two to Maddie Prosparkas, she's actually led the disposals every time these two teams have matched up. She had 29, which is a personal best for her on the weekend. Um, and then one to Maddie McMahon, who again was one of those Geelong leaders, her and her and Meg Mack in the back line, again, are the reason this wasn't a much more significant loss than what it was. 
I agree with you. I've given three votes to Karen Harrington. That was a phenomenal display. I've always thought she was very reliable in defence, but um, great to have that, that accomplishment in the stats. I've given Maddie two votes. Uh, again, a real workhorse of Carlton's engine room. Um, and I've given one vote to Kate Darby because I just thought that her involvement in the play defensively across the night, she laid some really good tackles, made a couple of really good intercept marks. It's really nice to see her back on the pitch and obviously, hopefully, um, we'll bring some more leadership back into the middle of the ground. The fact that she was delisted in the first place is wild to me. Yeah, I, I don't know who I was talking to on the weekend. They didn't even realise that she had been delisted and is actually an inactive replacement player for Renee Gehring this year. She's not even on their actual list, which is, yeah, again, wild because she had a really good game. I agree with you on that. Yeah, it was just really impressive and I'm glad she's back for Jewel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. On Sunday, we started with game four of round two, and it was the first of a double header played out at Whitnoval with the West Coast Eagles playing their first home away from home game against the Gold Coast Suns. The conditions were absolutely perfect for footy. I think whilst the Eagles started well, the Suns ultimately put in a huge fourth quarter to claim their first win since March 2020, which was really quite something to to be present for. I really felt like three quarters of this game was kind of just each team sussing each other out and it was a bit scrappy kind of tug of war affair. So watching that that fourth term actually felt like I was watching a completely different game. The Gold Coast team really took their chances in front of goal uh, and backed themselves in and West Coast took advantage of of the Suns basically when their defensive 50 was lacking. It was really, really great to see Charlie Robotten assert herself in her second game as well. Lots of touches, lots of confidence. It's, it's really nice to see. It was obviously a, a real delight to see the Suns hit their straps uh, in the last minutes of that game and obviously revel in their win at the closing siren. So hopefully we get to see a bit more of that too. Yeah, their first win in 672 days Ooh. against the same opponent that they uh, had their last win against. The, the thing about the Suns that really impressed me, that's probably the opposite of the last two games that we've talked about, is they had the awareness in that last 10 minutes of how to control the game. Yeah. So they were 16 points down with nine minutes remaining, I think. But then they decided, you know, going directly was really important. Charlie Rowbottom's awareness 
to spot up Tara Bahana at the top of the 50 rather than go long to an outnumbered Sarah Perkins. There were little things like that that allowed them to kick those five consecutive goals in the final quarter. And then, you know, Alison Drennan becoming Dana Hooker's shadow when Dana Hooker threatened to be the player to win it for West Coast or, or keep yeah. it off Gold Coast, um, you know, and then Sarah Perkins shepherding on the goal line to ensure goals were going through. There were bits of leadership shown right across the field for the Suns in that last 10 minutes that I hope we get to see for longer periods of time throughout games because if they can do that they can really challenge a lot of teams and we just need to see them able to do it more consistently so once the game breaks open a little bit the Suns do have the maturity the leadership on the field to do those things I think yeah absolutely I thought the work that Perko did in particular the body work on the goal line was really fantastic other players may have just tried to grab it and make it their own but she yeah she's got a real footy brain so use that to the sun's advantage who are your play on review performer votes going to so three to charlie robottom rising star nominee this week she had 17 touches more importantly 12 tackles um i i really liked the fact that she's not all about just getting the ball herself and being able to do the flashy stuff she does the hard work too um Mm -hmm. and it really shows um, especially in repeat efforts for a final tackle. It was actually two tackles in one. First player got away. She was immediately on the other. It was really good. Two to Kate Sermon, who was constantly proactive around forward stoppages. It didn't quite come off for her until the final quarter, but when it did, it was spectacular. But yeah. the fact that she didn't stop doing that when it wasn't quite working um, to get to that final quarter and to kick those two goals, I think was really good. Um, and then one to Tara Bahana, who recognized in that last quarter that she wasn't really being targeted because everyone was focused on Perkins and got herself into space and into positions where she could be dangerous. Um, really impressive for me. Yeah, that's that old, here's our key forward, but actually look out for our other goal scorer option. I love that. I'm seeing a lot of that this year, I think. I've actually gone with exactly the same people in a different order. I've given three to Tara Bahana. Her decision-making in front of goals is great. You know, um, just having a crack and it paying off is awesome. Two votes to Kate Sermon, really good to see. Again, just backing themselves in when there's an opportunity and and working the game when it isn't working for them. Uh, and I've given one vote to Charlie Rowbottom because, yeah, again, huge effort, 12 tackles and a rising star nom. Uh, following on from that game was a game that I highlighted last week. I was pretty keen to watch. So keen, in fact, that I sat myself down in the shade of EJ Witten's stand and watched um, it on my phone in between the two games at Witten. And that, of course, was the hit out between the Adelaide Crows and the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Despite Carney, Galavis and Abitangelo being back in the side to bolster the ruse, the Crows definitely proved too much for the visitors and picked apart the game to claim a 13-point victory. Adelaide kicked 5-7-37 over the Roos 3-6-24. I think the game was really one uh, for the consistent performance from both sides. So obviously Ashradell notched up a myriad of touches for the Roos again, but it was the work of Hatchard, Woodland, Thompson and Phillips that really prevailed for the Crows. Wasn't completely drama-free for the Crows either. Um, obviously Chelsea Randall came off in the final term with a knee injury. We don't know what that is yet. Hamstring injury. Hamstring. Phew. Hamstring. Well, hamstring. Um, and Caitlin Gould also concussed and has been ruled out, I believe, from next week too. Yeah, there are a few big hits across the round, a few concussion protocols this weekend, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Gould's just face planted herself trying to take a mark. Anyway, 
that just kind of got lost amongst the Chelsea Randall stuff. That's all. That's why I mentioned it. But uh, we talked last week about Adelaide's fitness and ability from siren one to the final siren to apply really intense pressure to Brisbane. And the, that kind of pressure is exhausting. So the fact they could do it all game was amazing. I think they showed that fitness in a different way in this game. Their mm. spread and ability to, to get separation from their opponent is super impressive. And I, I think partly is... Their fitness, their superior fitness, their their awareness that their teammates are going to be making that space, so they they're looking for them. So that's part of it. I think also North probably weren't accountable enough to their direct opponent, um, especially mm. when the mids snuck forward, the Adelaide mids snuck forward to have an impact on the scoreboard or to take marks up there to then hit up teammates. Yeah, North's mids didn't play accountable defensive footy when they didn't have the ball. And I think that really caught North out a lot. And I think Anne Hatchard is a really good example of it. She was kind of left to her own devices. And I don't know how you can do that when you know how good a player Anne Hatchard is. That's wild. Yeah. And that led to her, you know, breaking the competition record for most marks in a game with 14. She had 29 touches, you know, she took eight intercepts, but she was doing it both ways. So playing a defensive game, but then absolutely working hard attacking to be an option for her teammates going forward. So um, I I think North will rue the fact that they weren't conscious enough of their opponent. And I don't know if it's a disrespect thing, but maybe you come up against Adelaide, you think there's four players you need to shut down, Aaron Phillips, Chelsea Randall, Ebony Marinoff and Anne Hatchard. And then everyone else is just there for the ride. (laughs) Mistake. But we've seen Ash Woodland kick four goals in consecutive games. First time that's ever happened. Stevie Mm -hmm. Lee Thompson is still really threatening. Justine Mules has been kind of rising up the ranks. And then you look at a Montana McKinnon who has been playing in defense this year and then went into the ruck a lot more when um, Caitlin Gould went off. Her ability to read the ball is outstanding. So you can't just focus on a couple with Adelaide. You have to focus across the field. And I don't know that North did that well enough. Um, And, you know, lost the game, obviously. Yeah, it um, it did not work in their favour this week. Who are your play on performer votes going to this week? Um, three to Hatchard, as for, for all the reasons I just mentioned. Um, two to Ash Woodland. Again, um, she's getting a lot more of the ball this year than she did last year. She's mm. also kicking more goals. Than, uh, she kicked nine goals last year. I believe she's already kicked eight in two games. Um, I think she's averaging three more touches a game as well. So she's getting up the field a little bit, helping out, being a conduit inside 50, and then also being a target. So really liking how Ash Woodland is going about it. Um, mm. And then I've given one to Ash Riddell because, again, you know, 35 disposals last week. She had another 27 this week. She also had six clearances. So when when it was really tough on the inside, Riddell still got her job done. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you with just a minor switch around. I've got three votes to Ash Woodland. Yeah, she's already double the amount of goals on the uh, leading goal kicker list at the moment than any than her closest competition. Um, so I can't, I can't wait to see what pans out for the rest of the season. Uh, and Hatchard, two votes. Again, just like an absolute workhorse and you, like you can't leave her alone. Uh, amazing that she she broke that record of 14 marks this week. And one to Asherdale. Again, huge effort. Um, just a shame that it didn't come together in a, in a team effort and, and win them the game. 
And of course, our, our final game for the round was part two of the home away from home clashes, this time between the Freo Dockers and the GWS Giants. Dockers put on a pretty classy display of footy, outdoing the Giants by 32 points, kicking 7-10-52 over the Giants 2-8-20. GWS pushed the Dockers in the first quarter, but Freo put on the gas in the second, kicking 28 points in that quarter alone. Uh, Staunton was the Giants' only answer in goals, kicking two. And Parker and Eva worked hard in the midfield to push the ball forward, but to no end. Frio proved pretty potent inside 50 and took advantage of any space and errors with a particularly nice goal from Captain Haley Miller off a brilliant gather and handball from Anne McMahon. I think McMahon was um, arguably a highlight of the match. She played some pretty great footy up front. She also kicked her first goal for the Dockers in the final term of the game. Yeah, Anne McMahon, I think her and Dana East for me have really mm. changed the way Fremantle's midfields operates. Um, both of them are so clean with the ball. So the gathers, but also the really quick hands, really smart decision makers, but really quick um, to make those decisions as well. And I think mm. that has really shifted how that midfield operates. It doesn't have to be so contested all the time anymore, which I think they got a little bit bogged down with last year. You know, you've got Kiara Bowers in there. You're going to be a contested team, but I think they, they're a little bit more slick with the way they get the ball out of the congestion now mm. because of those two players in particular. And Hayley Miller is playing quite a different role, maybe not a different role, but she's more effective in the role that she's been playing this year with the power away from stoppages and then, getting on the back end of those those passages of play, kicking some goals and that sort of stuff. So I'm really liking how Fremantle have shifted that midfield a little bit. Um, yeah. I still have questions about, and I'm, I'm probably always going to, <laughs> I think my questions about Fremantle at the moment is last week they turned it on probably in the last quarter. This week they turned it on the second quarter. And I could say the same about Melbourne. Melbourne last week was first quarter and this week was second can they do it a little bit more consistently throughout a match? So it feels like they trust that they have the fitness. So maybe they don't turn it on or I don't, I'm not sure. They did a really good job to defend the Giants mm. for that second half, but I just would love to see them do it for more than just the one quarter. For the Giants, I think once Beck Beeson went down in that first quarter, yeah, without Beeson or Dalton, they really, really fell apart structurally, I think. And Staunton kicked her first two, her two goals in the first quarter. And after that, it was really slim pickings up forward for the Giants. They still haven't found even enough spread or a consistent enough spread in that forward line to be a really threatening team. Um, and that's my concern for them. Yeah, it really felt like Frio's gameplay opened up a bit from, like you said, that, that sort of contested footy in the middle whereas the Giants kind of shut down because they didn't have those runners on the outside to kind of push it around. Who were your play on performer votes for the game? Uh, so I've given three to Hayley Miller. Um, she's just gone to a new level as a captain. Yeah. I, I really love it. It's, it looks good on her. Yeah, I highly recommend going and reading my, uh, my interview with Hayley Miller on the Fremantle website. I'm sure Kel will include it in the show notes below this. Noted. Um, <laughs> I've given two to Dana East and I probably shouldn't say this, but I would have loved to see her get that rising star nom this week. I think she put in the work um, and deserved it, but I'm sure it's not, it's not long. It's not far away for her. Um, and then one to Alicia Eva, who seems to have recaptured 
that 2018 2019 form that we we know she can she can put out I think the last couple of years she's worked through some injuries and things like that hasn't been able to do it as consistently but the last couple of weeks she's been back to that really vintage Alicia Eva form so yeah loved what she did yep I completely agree with you on this uh given three to Hayley Miller two to Dana East and one to Alicia Eva um it was a, a fantastic game to watch in person so I'm feeling quite lucky to be able to see so much of the the West Coast teams this season We had, a, we had a few questions this week. George asked us, are the Eagles fit enough? They seem to only be able to play two to three quarters before fading. I haven't seen any, other than Adelaide, I haven't seen any team put in two full four-quarter performances. Fair. Not not even Collingwood, not Melbourne, not Freya. We just discussed that. I, I think these teams can run the game out, but I don't think West Coast are fading because they're not fit. Maybe it's not so much about fitness, but about consistent play across four quarters. Yes. We're yet yet to see that from a lot of the teams. Well, again, I think Adelaide's the only team that has done that so far this year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Mel also asked us, will four unbeaten teams stay winners this round? And what I'm going to say to this is we're going to do our tips soon. So wait for that. (laughs) Uh, And Jake, of course, asked us, is there any hope for the Saints? I think we've talked about that a fair bit already in this podcast, um, but as a Saints fan, I really hope so. If it's not going to be the year that they win a lot of games, I really hope it's the year that they build a lot of foundations. They start making the right decisions when they have the footy in their hands um, and just capitalise on those experiences against um, stronger sides. And Kel answered that because I said before we even recorded uh, that Kel would be the one to answer that question. <laughs> what game are you watching for next round? What's your what's your pick of the bunch? I'm hanging out for the Q Clash, Gold Coast v Brisbane. Um, yeah. There's a few things going into this. Gold Coast have just won their first game in, in a year and a half, nearly two years actually. Um, Brisbane are coming off uh, uh, not playing, um, but also off a fairly significant loss in round one as well. So they've had to ruminate on that for two weeks rather than just the one, which you typically mm. get. Gold Coast last time they played in a Q clash last year, round two, I think it was, round two or three, um, didn't kick a goal, failed to kick a goal. Um, so there's a few little threads to pull with this game that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. Um, I I mean, obviously we saw them in a preseason match. It's a very different kettle of fish, um, but I'm I would be interested to see yeah, how the Suns return um, to this matchup, particularly on the high after after this last week. I'm, of course, really excited for the Pride game. It's always a really great match, both of football, but also the general um, loveliness that surrounds it. There's been a lot of really great jumper uh, announcements today from a lot of the clubs. I in particular get to be part of some pre-game stuff with my own football club, which is really great. And yeah, it's just genuinely a, a really nice celebration of football. I was meant to be calling this one for the ABC, uh, but the women's ashes got moved up this weekend. So that's what the ABC is doing. So if you if you're not watching the footy, tune into that. Listen to women's ashes on the ABC. Hundred percent. It'll be a really a really tough one to split our time between. 
What are your tips for the week, Jim? You're going to go through them game, game by game or am I just going to save them? <laughs> well, let's go game by game. Okay. Uh, our Friday night game this week is the Geelong Cats hosting the Collingwood Magpies. Who's your pick, Jim? I'm going with Collingwood. I'm, I'm only tipping a 20-point margin because I'm still not convinced Collingwood know how to pile on a score. So mm. it feels like they should have won on Saturday by a lot more than 27 points, but they're still bre- yet to break that 60-point barrier, which um, they're only one of two um, inaugural sides yet to do that. So I don't know if they can put on a massive score to win by more than 20 points. That was a long way to answer <laughs> your question. A long qualifier. Um, I, too, have picked the Pies. Uh, I've got them to win by 24. Similarly, I guess, like you said, we haven't seen them put on a great deal of points, but I also think that the Cats will be a lot more competitive than they have been in the past. They're trying different things. Hopefully they can link up better this week and actually adapt to the footy that's being played on the day as well. First match on Saturday uh, is the Eagles taking on the Adelaide Crows. Who have you got? Yeah, this one's a different story. Uh, I'm going to tip Adelaide by 40. Oof. I too have gone a very definitive Adelaide win, uh, but by 32, just for something different. Following on from that, we've got the Demons hosting the Saints out at Casey Fields. I'm going with Melbourne. Surprise. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked. (laughs) Worth noting that these teams have played once before and Melbourne, that's been Melbourne's biggest ever winning margin, 59-point margin, when they met in 2020 in round five. Melbourne had a record nine individual goal kickers in that game. That is the most anyone's ever had in a game. So uh, unless Melbourne has another bunch of really terrible COVID outs, um, I should say health and safety protocol outs or anything like that, I, I can't see this game being super different to that. Melbourne's got the firepower up forward, I think, to to do some damage. I'm tipping them by 30, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a bit bigger than that. Yeah, look, I wish I'd done a little bit more research and not just kind of made this choice. Um, you tip St Kilda? I didn't tip St Kilda. I just didn't tip a bloodbath. I have also said the Ds, but by 24, I hope it doesn't equate to a record-breaking loss. And you know that if it is, I will be the first person to tweet it. Yes, yes, I will put that alarm on your account. Just so I know. <laughs> Our second game at uh, Punt Road for the Saturday uh, will be Richmond taking on the Fremantle Dockers. Who have you got for that? I'm going to go with Freo. I can't wait to go to this. I really wanted to go and catch Freo on Sunday, but was unable to. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Freo in person for the first time this year. I'm tipping them by eight points because I... I did my tips before looking at the fact that Courtney Wakefield wouldn't be there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with the eight points, but again, wouldn't be surprised if it was a, a much bigger margin than that. Yeah. Look, I have to say, uh, I was sitting watching Frio on the weekend going, oh, this is amazing. I'm finally getting to see them for the first time. Realised that I had actually seen them play before. Against St Kilda? No, against Carlton. Oh, and- Yes. Obviously had conveniently erased that trauma from my memory, but it was it was something pretty awesome to see. I'm looking forward to them taking on Richmond. I think Freo will will nab the win. I've got them by 14. I'm really interested to see this. Like I, you know, again was was pleasantly surprised by the D's and Tigers matchup last week. So I feel like this might feel a little bit similar in a sense. I'm I'm looking forward to being there and and we'll be there on the boundary. So that'll be great. 
our final Saturday game for the weekend. Yeah, we've got four games on Saturday this huge, week. Huge, huge, uh, is, of course, the Q-Clash, Gold Coast hosting the Lions. Yeah, again, we don't really know what the Lions look like for this game because they have had a whole bunch of players in isolation. We don't know which ones are actually going to be available for this game, but I'm still going to go with Brisbane, but by 10 points. So they won by 60-something. Hold on, let me check. They won by 63 points last year in round two and kicked their highest ever score. It's not going to be that again, I don't expect, especially with no Kate Luckins, no Dakota Davidson as well. Um, But I still think Brisbane will win by 10 points. Mm, Okay. I've also tipped Lions, um, but I've tipped them by a bit more. I've got them by 24. Chill. Margin of the week. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Can you tell that I like even numbers that are divisible by two? Um, but yeah, I like you say it'll be hard to tell um, given the health and safety outs and where the team's at. But um, again, another another hit out. I'm looking forward to watch. Our first game on Sunday is North Melbourne taking on the Giants at Arden Street. Who have you got for them? Yeah, look, I don't think North are going to um, make the same mistake twice, um, yeah. and I don't think the Giants are going to challenge them in the way that Adelaide did. So I'm going to go with North, but I'm, but I'm only going five points because again, we haven't seen this North side look threatening really um i know they got the win in round one but it was you know off mm. the back of geelong kicking inaccurately at goal that that forward line structure that they've got with talia randall hasn't really fired much of a shot um so i'm only going to tip them by five yeah fair i took a similar approach to this i've gone north by eight i think it'll be a close game i think north will likely be more dominant, but also sometimes I feel like the Giants are a bit of a like wild card. They can be a competitive side when they want to. And Dalton, I don't know, might be back in this round. She might be back. Yeah, we never know. Wait and see on that one. Um, and of course, our final match for the weekend is the Pride match. That's the Bulldogs hosting Carlton at uh, Witten Oval. Who have you got for that? Uh, I'm really concerned for the Dogs. You know, they have had the health and safety protocol player on availability but also they're still dealing with a lot of injuries um Kirsten McLeod is out for the yeah. inactive for the season with um, ongoing concussion symptoms I just don't know that they're going to be able to put their best team on the park this year for a number of weeks still I didn't say that very clearly I'm sorry but that's me saying I feel bad for the dogs I think Carlton will win by two points <laughs> oh right well we were in agreement on this because I've gone blues by two too um it is, uh, for me, it's a bit of a tough one. I do support both these clubs um, and just about every other club in the league. I think we know that by now. Yeah, I think it's a challenging one for the dogs, but then we've seen the Blues be undone at previous Pride games. It's always, you know, a pretty big spectacle. I'm hoping at least for some competitive football between the two sides. And at the end of the day, I just want everyone to have fun and play good footy. No, this is an elite sport. We want <laughs> players to play good footy exactly and they can have fun in the process and it can still be elite if you can have fun while doing that then great but yes i uh, i think that one will be pretty close excellent well that's a wrap on our preview of round two of the aflw season 2022 if you'd like to follow along with us be sure to follow us on twitter you can find me at row underscore kel and you can also find at play on radio mel jem what's your twitter handle I'm at GL Bastiani on Twitter. Come and read stats from my feed, please. It's worth it. It's good. Uh, yeah, it's- I mean, if you if you haven't noticed already, if you don't follow me already, I tweet stats and then the AFLW tweets those stats because I tell them to. Yeah. 
it's uh it's not a bad little chain of supply that one (laughs) (laughs) well that's it from us for now thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on fully actually deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.